0: My name is Adrienne Garland and welcome to Sugarcoated, a podcast where we talk about all things related to women, entrepreneurship, and leadership without any sugarcoating. I am so very excited to welcome my guest today. Her name is Bobby Carlton, and she is an incredible person who advocates for women through her company, Innovation Women. She, like many other women, also does many other things, which we will talk about over the course of our conversation. But I am thrilled to welcome Bobby because she is standing at the forefront of really helping women to get their voices, thoughts, and opinions out into the world. Welcome to Sugar Coated, Bobby.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Oh my gosh. So you and I met. Several years ago, uh, you attended a She Leads conference. I was so thrilled that you came down from Boston to do so. I am a huge fan of yours, a big admirer. I'm also a speaker on the Innovation Women platform, but I would love for you to tell the sugarcoated audience a little bit about, you know, who you are, how Innovation Women came to be, and a little bit about your uh, public relations firm and anything else you'd like to talk about.
1: Okay. So I usually tell people that I have three jobs. I have the day job, which is Carlton PR marketing, which is how I actually make a living. Uh, the night job, which for many years has been Mass Innovation Nights, which is a monthly new product showcase event in the Boston market. Obviously, right now with the pandemic, not a lot of live events, but we are doing some virtual events. And Innovation Nights is a social media powered event where we tell people come to our events and help spread the word about all these cool products that you see using your social networks. And because of that, I got invited to lots of other people events. So that led to the third job or the dream job, which is helping more women get on stage at conferences and events because... I would get invited to so many different events and I would see what I call the all-male, all-pale, and often all-stale panels because it was the same people over and over again on stage. And women would be sitting in the audience going, how do I get myself up there? And I'm like, oh, I know how to do that. And then most recently, I... Added on jobs kind of number four and five. I bought two other companies over the summer. Incredible. (laughs) Yeah, because, you know, retail therapy. Yeah, right. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And uh, so one of them is another service for speakers. It's called My Speaker Leads. And it delivers a hundred leads every single week for speaking opportunities. We have a research team that goes off and, and looks for opportunities for speakers. And we send them out to our customers every Monday morning. And then that acquisition led to a fifth company, which is called Lioness for the Female Entrepreneur. It's a digital magazine. Love it. So I keep myself busy.
0: Yes. Well, how, (laughs) I mean, this is a classic question, but you know, you also have a family. Uh, How, how literally do you do all of that?
1: Well, It's not just me. It's a team. I have a fabulous team who uh, help out with all of my crazy projects, including one person who, for several years, it was her job to tell me no whenever (laughs) I started, like, you know, looking off, off to the side and going, hey, that looks cool. But I actually had a person who was like, no, don't do that. And, you know, this summer, she's been off taking care of her kids, so... I got set loose on the marketplace. Uh, and this but, is why you bought yeah. the two companies. Because <laughs> she, she uh, took a little sidestep and you said, oh yeah, freedom. <laughs> I was like, Kristen, you weren't watching me. I love Guess it. Guess what I did? <laughs> I did have to have that conversation with her, which is like, um, so while you were gone. Oh my goodness. I, I did a great. thing. <laughs> I, did <two> yes. <laughs> I did two things. I did two things. Oh my gosh. So yeah.
0: how did you how did you start uh, I want to actually even go back further. How did you get into PR and and why did you did you start Carlton PR? Had you worked in corporate? Tell me a little bit about that.
1: Sure. So way long ago and far away, uh-huh. I was a journalist and so I started working for the town newspaper, and I worked for radio stations in the news department. And, you know, those PR people, they always seemed to know what was going on. And I had a fabulous class in college, great professor who said, you know, you are really good at telling a story and, you know, maybe thinking about PR instead of the media. And I moved to Boston after college. I got a job in an agency. Um, after the agency, I ended up heading, cl- heading up global PR at Cognos, Parametric Technology Corporation. I did some more agency work. And then I started working for a startup. And the startup ran out of money in 2008. A lot of companies ran out of money then. Yep. No jobs. Uh, two kids and a husband who definitely, you know, like to eat with a roof over their heads, that kind of thing. the
0: just just a little something. (laughs) Little
1: little something, you know. And uh, so I kind of buckled down, started my own agency at that point. I mean, really, it was just hung out a shingle. It was just me at first. But if you think back to 2008 and 2009, Social media was young, yeah. and you know, as a storyteller and as a PR person, I was like, Hmm, this is interesting to say the least. What can we do with social media? And a lot of people, I think, dismissed it as something the kids were doing, yep. And I said, Well. That's that's actually something you can use to sidestep the traditional media and become your own publisher. So, I started Innovation Nights in 2009, taking advantage of what was happening with social media, and started growing things from there. And uh, yeah, obviously, looking back on my expertise and and what I did. It was all the same kind of storytelling and communication, a lot of writing and research, and all these things kind of came together. And uh, so, you know, first company, second company, and then five years later, third company.
0: Wow. I, I love that story. and and, I mean, it took a lot of guts, no matter what. It was two thousand and eight, and there was the, you know, the recession. So to venture out on your own like that after having worked at some of these really big companies that that takes a lot of guts. How did you know that or did you know that you would be successful and that you'd you'd still be doing? the company that you started you'd still be running the company and growing and scaling you know what 11 years later mm, you know 12 I, years later
1: <laughs> i i don't think i actually did have that confidence um i had never before thought about going out on my own it was a stopgap measure you know until the day when jobs came back and and i could find another job and you know, one thing leads to another and all of a sudden, you know, you own a company and then there are employees. And I was like, wait, how did this happen? Yeah, You know, at the time, 2008, I didn't feel like I had a choice. There really weren't the jobs for me at that time. And so, you know, I didn't have any choice in the matter and certainly not going to be letting the family starve. So. <laughs> that, that's a good motivator. Go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it absolutely is.
0: <laughs> well, it's funny. Obviously, conditions are completely different right now as, as we're talking, but it's very much the same where many of the jobs that may have been out there even, you know, three, four, five, six months ago they're no longer there or people are finding themselves in a situation where they, you know, need to do something. Um, And I, I think that now it's even harder because the market is so very uncertain and I'm, you know, I'm just kind of throwing this out there. But do you have any advice for some uh, some women out there that they're contending with not only, you know, feeding their family, but also homeschooling their their kids while they're trying to earn a living or, and bring some you know money into the household? Um, I just I, I look at that and I just if I was in that situation, I, I quite frankly don't know what I would do.
1: Yeah. And I think that right now, it's a very different situation than it was 12 years ago. Um, I think certain segments have been harder hit than others. I mean, hospitality and restaurants. I mean, travel. Events. And, yeah, <laughs> events. <laughs> events. Although, wow, are we lucky or what with the environment that we are working and living in these days. I mean, to have these tools that allow us to go virtual. Yeah. You know, even I think just a couple of years ago this situation would have been almost untenable. Agreed. And and now it's like I don't know about you, but I got all the streaming services I want. I'm sitting in my home office with my fabulous big fat pipe that the internet comes to my house in. Yep. Um, You know, a few years ago, we cut the cord from cable and decided to pour all that money into bandwidth. Yep. And, and Zoom and, you know, great tools. My whole team works on Microsoft Teams, Office 365. We have a morning meeting where we're all on video and we share files. We packed up our entire office in March and went home without a second thought. Like right. Literally, you know, one random Thursday, we're at home. And you That's knew, it.
0: you knew that you had all of the tools in place mm-hmm. in order to make your business continue without missing Absolutely. a beat. Absolutely, That's yep. amazing. Uh,
1: I think, uh, you know, we, we left behind our office, which was heartbreaking because I swear we had just gotten the last whiteboard on the wall, uh, the last picture, you know, uh, everything. Yeah. It was great. <laughs> uh, you know, we were like, I love our little office. And yeah. then to walk away and, and not go back, we... We gave up the office in July. You know, we had a notice on it that said, you know, give 60 days notice. And and so we did. And so now we are officeless. Wow. All of us are at home.
0: Yeah, this is a new chapter for you, for sure. Do, do you see yourself ever going back? Because there is, the technology is incredible. I agree with you. Yeah. The, yeah, but the there's human real value. Yeah.
1: There is ver- real value at this. I mean, I'm somebody who's run live events every month for the last 11 years. Wow, I have two businesses that are dependent on supplying speakers for events. And, you know, at the same time that so many events were canceled, postponed, a lot of other ones went virtual. And we're seeing organizations and companies that previously did live events, turning on a dime and saying, okay, you know, it's all virtual now. And how do you bring the value for a virtual event where somebody may have been paying thousands of dollars for a ticket to go to a live event? Can you deliver the value for them that makes it relevant and worth it to spend that kind of money on a virtual event?
0: yeah that's the that's the million dollar question right mm-hmm. it's um it's so funny i i i just started teaching a graduate level class at NYU school of hospitality in event management. So the, mm. the students are looking to start businesses in the event management field. I'm teaching entrepreneurship and business plan development. Wow. Yeah. Which is crazy. And, you know, when I thought about how am I going to sort of shift around what I was, was originally going to, you know, teach in person and about events, you know, I, I thought, you know, a lot of these tools that in the past were add-on services have now become center stage, right? Yes. So how do you leverage that technology and reimagine what an online event really is? And w- one of our mutual friends, um, Bill Sell, really brought up a, a topic to me that I I'm being very conscious about saying and that is online right so virtual yeah. virtual events are you know perhaps not quote unquote live or 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 not not that they're not real but what he said to me is what we must do as event professionals is call these live because they are they're just mm-hmm. online as opposed to in person And I think that even using terminology like that starts to get at value.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. And I'm being exceptionally conscientious of calling things live and online so that as the industry, you know, sort of transforms throughout whatever this is and whatever it's going to be, that we're not just you know, slapping some stuff on Zoom, but we're really being creative and reimagining and figuring out how we can engage participants and deliver value to, you know, sponsors and, and vendors and all of it. So, yeah, I think we're on the same page with with that. Um, I was wondering for Mass Innovation Nights, was that something that is is sort of... Um, diverse as far as gender? Or or did you see a lot of, uh, you know, male versus female uh, people who are pitching? How, tell me a little bit about
1: that. Sure. You know, it's interesting. When I started Innovation Nights, there were other startup showcase events that I had seen. And they were most often focused on, on technology. And technology products and you know i said when i started a startup showcase the tools and the products would be diverse to start off with Mm -hmm. because i think that a lot of women think about startups only with the technology uh in mind you know they say okay it's a startup well i you know, I'm not focused on technology or that's not a value to me. And so I'm going to start another business, another type of business. Mm -hmm. And women are told over and over again that it is super hard for us to get funded. You know, that only 2.5% of venture capital goes to women founded companies and 80% of, Startups that get funded have no women on their senior management team. Mm -hmm. So we keep hearing this message about funding and high growth startups and technology companies that I think turns many women off. You know, like being a startup founder is hard. Why make it harder on yourself? So women, I think sometimes will turn to other types of companies and they will turn to the type of company that they can fund themselves, that they can bootstrap, that they can get a bank loan. It's hard to capitalize something when it's zeros and ones. You know, it's easier to capitalize perhaps a retail establishment or some type of business that you don't need a lot of funding for. Right. So I think there are different types of startups that women are more likely to start. It doesn't say that it's all of them. I've seen plenty of women in super high-tech stuff that um that you know you might not think of them first for. And so Innovation Nights from the beginning looked at all types of new products. Everything from oh, you know, somebody's new sauce to um, physical products, to robotics, medical devices, technology, enterprise software, apps. Um, Showing the gamut of new products helped us get more diversity in gender and overall diversity. And we did a survey of our alumni when we reached... A hundred events. So every month we're launching between 10 and 15 new products. And when we reached a hundred events, that's a thousand new products that we helped to launch. And at that time, 44% of the companies were founded by women. That's close to parity. That was close to parity. But when you start look, digging into that, what you see is we had done several events that were food, yep. um, you know, new food products. We had done several events that were focused on physical products. So we were very open about, you know, what startups and what new products we were helping to support. And I think that broader approach absolutely helped us. But there were still events where, you know, I would say, okay, this is, you know, the theme for this one is robotics or AI. And I would look around the room and realize that, hmm, you know, we we don't have a lot of women founders at this event yeah. or that event. Uh, we did a number of events where we were in partnership with a local neighborhood of Boston that is mostly people of color. And so we did a couple of events there where it was all African American and African founders. And those specific events helped us in terms of creating more diversity. But it's a, it's a thing that when I started innovation women, I was concerned about Mm -hmm. was I creating a new island. right? You know, was I creating a, a new way to segregate people? I was hoping not. You know, I was hoping to give these underrepresented groups, whether it's women or persons of color, more opportunities to see themselves amongst a group of people that they identified with. Mm mm-hmm. But, you know, it's, it was absolutely an area of concern for me. Before I started Innovation Women, before I started really focusing on that, I will tell you, I had never before gone to an event that was all women. Hmm. You know, now I go to a lot of them. I, I went to your event, you know, right. for example. And, you know, it was one of those things where I was like, I've never really paid attention to this.
0: Interesting.
1: And, you know, when when it starts to kind of sink in, you know, you start looking around and you start examining what your own experiences have been. And my own experiences where I had worked in high tech for many years, I was very used to being often the only woman in the room. And yet I worked in an area, public relations, that is what's called a pink collar ghetto. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard that before. What that means is because there are so many women in the field, salaries are often lower than other commensurate industries. For example, if you compare the salaries in public relations and in advertising, you'll see that advertising often has very much higher salaries because there are more men in it. Yep. And so, at the higher level, I would yes, say too,
0: like absolutely, yeah, there, that, there's, that's a whole other thing we can talk about. But yeah, oh at, yeah, at those higher ranks, it, it's you know it's male pale and still, mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah, yes, indeed. So yeah, I mean it's it's something that I looked at and I'm very aware of. At the same time, you know, always do more. Is there, I can always do
0: more. I, I totally love, and I'm so happy that you explained that a little bit more because I did have the perception, I'm, I I don't live in uh, Massachusetts or else I would have certainly come to a Mass Innovation Nights, although now that it's online, uh, <laughs> I can, I actually, that's a just a really quick question. Because it's now online, are people outside of the Massachusetts area, are they able to participate or how... Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting.
1: Yeah. And we just did an event a couple of weeks ago that we did online. It was in partnership with UMass Lowell's Research Institute. And the companies that we were focusing on are what's called dual usage, which means they can be used by things like the Department of Defense and other government groups, as well as the technology is um, useful in in other places in the general world. right, And so, you know, looking around that group, all right, you know, big percentage are men. Yeah. I was happy to see a couple of groups that, you know, were women-founded groups in the artificial intelligence arena in particular.
0: Yeah, I've seen, I, I, I did a little work before the pandemic with a company, an events company that focused on logistics and supply chain and AI was, you know, the hugest uh, topic. But I was very happy to be able to find many women that are in the artificial intelligence arena. I I feel like that is a technology that women are not as intimidated for some reason to get involved with, which is a, a great thing. I'm wondering, you know, for mass innovation nights, do you find that women are, are even just by the very nature of of what it is, right? Getting up there, putting yourself out there, pitching your company because people do get they get funding, correct? Um, Some of them. I Some mean, of
1: them. Not all of them are seeking funding. Uh, Mass Innovation Nights is very focused on being a visibility driver Got we it. talk about it as a visibility mm. event and you know we what we've done is created tools and systems and processes for helping to promote local companies you know if there's a, a weekly newsletter that goes out there is a social media amplification program there is when we did live events we would hand out a program with QR codes making it super easy for people to scan the QR code and instantly come up with a tweet. Mm. Um, You know, everything was designed, uh, including the online voting. If you go to Mass Innovation Nights, you'll see any of the events had voting online. And the companies that got the most votes were able to do five-minute presentations, whereas everybody else got tabletop demos. Mm. And the voting meant that all of the companies would be promoting it out to their networks. So, hey, you know, go vote for me. I have a chance to present at this event. And I found it fascinating. You know, most people would say, okay, that's a competition. I'm like, "Uh -uh uh-uh-uh. This is rewarding people who are helping the collective group. Yeah, This is coopetition. Mm. Because my best friend might not necessarily be my perfect customer, but they could potentially be a customer for one of the other companies that's launching. So when I tell my friend, go vote for me, my friend goes to this website, sees a whole list of cool new products. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm your friend. I'm going to vote for you. (laughs) But, oh, look at that. You know, that, Potentially over there, that other product on the list could potentially solve a problem I have, or that could be a fit for something I know. So, the more you're sharing this collective group with your friends, with your networks, with your coworkers, the more we're helping each other find out about these new products and connect them with potential customers, with potential partners. So, you know, it's really just throwing our individual networks onto the table and saying, here, let us work together to benefit us all.
0: I am in awe. I I just, I love this concept the more and more that I learn about it. And I, I love the fact that there's the local component to it as well. Um, that's something that I feel like is a big shift. You know, we went completely global, right? You could get anything Mm -hmm. at any time from anywhere. And so these big, big companies sort of had the advantage there. But because (laughs) supply chains have been (laughs) disrupted, um, along with everything else, they're really it. and and also, you know, a lot of these small businesses are completely struggling with the whole pandemic. So the fact that there's a way, a platform to make local people, Friends, Family Network, aware of these local companies is just absolutely brilliant. And I have to say that I don't think that I have heard of any other type of organization that is doing something like this that's not just solely focused on technology. So you've got a very unique and incredible platform here.
1: You know, it's interesting when I started Innovation Nights, um, you know, social media was young and, and people were like, oh, my God, this is fascinating. Like people would come from all over the place to Boston because Boston is such a, a mecca for innovation and technology and startups. Yep. And people would come to Innovation Nights literally from all over the world. Wow. And they would be like, oh, you know, I want you to do this in my city. Yeah. <laughs> and. And I would be like, you can do this in your city because I am not going to have that credibility. I can't parachute into your city and do this. I can do this here. People know me. People understand me. And the people are like, okay, Bobby, what crazy thing are you doing today? (laughs) But I can't do that anywhere else. So it needs to have somebody in that city. I mean... I would love to have Innovation Nights, you know, events in many cities and then tie them all together so that, you know, when we're promoting something in Boston, maybe somebody in San Francisco would see it. So if we can create that network of Innovation Nights all over the world, yes, we can help that. But it really does come down to... The support that you get from your friends, from your neighbors, from the people around you in your location who say, when that company right there on Main Street wins, we all win. Yeah, and that's one of the things that's going on right now. You know, we are all looking to our local restaurants, our local small businesses, and saying, "How can we support them?" Because they are our neighbors and our friends and our family.
0: I just absolutely love that you're creating so much value for so many people on both ends, and I I think that everything that you're doing is providing a platform to for these businesses to gain visibility. And it just ties so beautifully into, you know, what you do as a PR professional. You're all about getting visibility for your clients, right? And And, and
1: innovation women,
0: same thing. You know,
1: speaking engagements, they drive credibility, they drive thought leadership, they drive visibility that connects you with customers and partners. You know, in Lioness Magazine, you know, that's again about visibility for these companies and these new products and these startups. So, uh, you know, if, if people are like, oh, what's your, you know, kind of umbrella organization? I'm like, it's not so much an organization as it is a thought process around visibility equaling opportunity and business and career opportunity.
0: I love that and that is so aligned with what the mission of She Leads Media is as well. It's all about providing a platform and opportunity along with, you know, tools and resources and expertise for women so that they can get their businesses, their ideas, their thoughts out into the world. And everything that you're doing is just, you know, I, I just want to jump on it all. Um, and I, in fact, am, uh, you know, a, a, a registered speaker on the Innovation Women platform. Uh, it's also, you, you make it really easy for women who want to speak and put themselves out there. You make it really easy for them to do so. Can you talk a little bit about what Innovation Women and the whole platform is all about. I mean, I know that it's, you you spoke about how you're matching uh, women experts with opportunities, but can you just talk a little bit, uh, if somebody was interested in signing up as a speaker on the platform, what do they sort of um, get as far as value?
1: Sure. So when I first started Innovation Women, I was really focused on Boston because I, you know, and Mass Innovation Nights kind of gave me a head start here. And one of the things that Mass Innovation Nights does in its weekly newsletter is it promotes the other events that you go to in Boston. So you know, this mailing list goes out every week and we have a little list of these are the events that are happening this week. So all the local event managers send me their stuff and I I have a list of them all. So I'm like, you know, these are, this is the place I'm going to start with Innovation Women. And I did a crowdfunding campaign and almost instantly it went beyond Boston. Like, oh, shoot, you know, Mm -hmm. that's going to that's going to screw with my business model a little bit. Because before I had this nice head start with the event managers in Boston. So I had to take it from the other side. And we started looking for calls for speakers and contacts with event managers Mm -hmm. and reaching out to them and saying, hey, we've got this resource for you. So Innovation Women is a platform. Event managers can come in for free and they can search the database and they can connect directly with a speaker. This is not like a traditional speakers bureau. Number one, a traditional speakers bureau will only go, will only manage people who get paid to speak. Right. And I hate to say it, but, you know, half of all event managers have no budget for speakers so a speakers bureau isn't going to work for them. right? So when we started Innovation Women, I was committing to supporting women who speak, who get paid to speak, but also women who are expert sources, who are leaders in their field, who are sharing their knowledge. And there's all kinds of opportunities out there for them That I think a lot of them just don't pay attention to. These conferences, these events, um, you know, before the pandemic, there were half a million meetups that happened every month. Yeah. Like crazy. So many opportunities to speak that women just don't take advantage of.
0: Why why do you think that is? Because I think, yeah, (laughs) yeah, I think that's what's (laughs) important too, right? So you've, women... And this is such a general sweeping statement, but I, I do find what you're saying to be true. There's something that holds women back, and it's probably perfectionism.
1: But what, what do you think? <laughs> so I have a completely different theory. Mm. Women. So there's, there's some, some things that we don't take advantage of because we're busy. Okay. We are more likely to be working for smaller companies mm-hmm. We are more likely to be working part-time and we are still more likely to be responsible for kids in home yeah. okay This is more likely these are these are well-known labor department statistics. Mm-hmm. OK, when you are working for a smaller company, that smaller company probably does not have anybody to backfill for you. Right. You can't just take off for three days and go to a conference. By the way, that also costs money. Yeah. You know, you got plane tickets and airfare and, and and hotels and geez, you know, just being out of the office for two or three days. That's hard. Yeah. And it's also hard to be out of the office when maybe you only work two or three days a week you're fitting a lot in in that part-time job. Mm. And on top of it, you know, it's really hard to be the keynote at breakfast if you've got to get little Johnny on the bus at 8 a.m. Yeah. So Mm. there are a lot of reasons that I think women bypass these opportunities. You know, they're juggling a lot already. And, you know, this is just one more thing that they've got to do. But, you know, there's also... When you are the person, right, you become the one. Like, oh, in Boston, there used to be these five women entrepreneurs. You know, yeah. it's like I could probably name them. Yeah. Bettina, Jules, Gail, Cheryl. I mean, they, they were the female entrepreneurs. And anytime you had a panel on entrepreneurs, people would look at it and go, oh, God, you know, we got four guys again. Let's call Diane. Right. Because everybody knows Diane. And you know what? Diane gets busy because everybody knows Diane, everybody calls Diane, and she starts turning things down. And in the event manager's head, that gets translated to women turn down opportunities. Oh, yeah. So we've got, like, all of these things that conspire against us. And so I've talked to event managers, and I've heard this stat from so many event managers. They tell me half of the women they invite say no, and 90% of the men say yes. Really? Like, Why do you think that is? Yeah. Well, you know, they're shy and retiring bullshit so sorry no that's Um, good (laughs) no that is not the case you've probably asked the same woman that everybody else is asking because she's the name that you know right and she's busy no i can't do it on that day because i'm doing this other thing or i've already spoken eight times this month i don't have time for this right And so, you know, I talk all the time to event managers who say the same thing. You know, I started with a panel that was two men and two women and the women said no and the men said yes. And so, oh, well, I have an all-male panel.
0: Mm, By default. "Ah." So your platform says, listen, event managers, those women are amazing. But have I got more amazing women for you? Just take a look
1: over here. We literally have hundreds of women. We make it super easy to connect with them. Yes. You know, you can go in, you can search by location, you can search by title, you can search by topic, you can search by industry. Yep. You can connect directly with them. And you're going right to them. You don't have to go through me. If you're paying them, I don't take a portion of it. The traditional speakers bureau can take 20, 30, 40 percent of that speaker fee.
0: Yeah. And there's a lot of, uh, yeah, there's a lot of, I've used, you know, speakers bureaus for some other companies that I've done work with. And, you know, there's a lot of also just Positioning and negotiation, mm-hmm. and you just, they just—they don't, don't—they don't even want you speaking to the speaker because what I've found oftentimes is when when you speak to the speaker directly, they're much more willing to take a lower fee or you know even do it for free because they see that there's value in getting fr- in front of an audience. But the speakers bureau sort of blocks that from happening, which I understand—it's their business model, right? That's but, how they're working. But yeah. I think.
1: Traditional speakers bureaus are very different and have a, a different purpose. Half of all event managers have no budget whatsoever for speakers. Yeah. 42% are only paying some speakers. Yeah. Wow. And that means that they have some money for keynotes. Maybe they have some money for travel. So that means only 8% of event managers pay all or most of their speakers. Those are, those are opportunities that are somewhat rarefied. You yeah. know, it's like in certain industries, people are paying a lot for speakers. And there's a difference between speakers and presenters or expert sources. Yes. You know, there are people whose business it is to be a speaker, and they are totally 100% worth every penny that you pay them. Yes. Because they are, they are training, they are working on this, they are entertainers, you know, they are celebrities. 100%, you know what, yeah. You know, you know, the best path to getting um, paid to speak is? it's outer space be an astronaut
0: yes <laughs> you know it's
1: I like thought you're you were gonna, gonna say be paying. The president or the vice there's president there's that too politics <laughs> yeah astronauts right. celebrities you yep. know this is their business yeah but you know what I, there's real value in entertaining educational people that are taking the time to practice their craft you know i work with a lot of speakers Who they're doing a presentation or there's a lot of speakers, I hate to say it out there, who are what I call one Google search deep. Right. You know, they're compiling a bunch of stuff. They're throwing it together. They're popping it up on the slide and they're going, ah, I'm a speaker. Right. <laughs> uh, you know, but there's also other people that are writing books who are subject matter expertise, who have worked in their industries for 10, 20, 30 years, who are entertaining, who are doing the work to be a great speaker, yeah. to well communicate what they're doing. You know, and that's they should absolutely be paid. They are making your event. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And and I have personally benefited from using the Innovation Women platform not only for to get speaking engagements, but as the producer of the She Leads conference and and some of the other things that I do uh, consulting was on the side. I have found absolutely incredible experts on your platform. You know, women founders and CEOs that are, they might not be out there quoted in the media all the time, but they deliver such incredible value. And it's important for them to get out there and get in front of some of these more intimate and uh, targeted type of audiences and and as a speaker, they benefit from that as well because they get to connect on a level that they might not necessarily if they did this big keynote
1: Yeah yeah and there's a difference between being an expert on stage yeah. and being a visionary right and being a, a thought leader. Yes. So, you know, I I think that people need to understand the difference between those things. Yes.
0: Yeah. And do you also offer any type of resources or training or just, you know, informational webinars uh, for people on the Innovation Women platform?
1: Yes. And we are continually adding more. Um, you know, and frankly, you don't even have to be a member of Innovation Women to go to our website and click on the speaker resources mm, button. Yeah. And we have webinars and there are podcasts and we have all kinds of articles and tutorials, um, you know, so we're we're really very focused on kind of bringing up that level and giving people the opportunity to think about how they are presenting themselves and how they can do a better job in terms of doing that. And I spend a lot of time telling people about the benefits of public speaking. Because when you are on stage, you are the expert. You have credibility like nobody else in the in that room does at that particular moment. Agreed. You are connecting with customers. You are able to tell your story. Yep. And you know, the more you can do to make yourself more entertaining, clearer, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, all of these things, (laughs) succinct, yes, let's not go on and on, Uh, the better off everybody is. And, you know, a lot of the event managers today are telling us they want to see people who can do conversations virtually. Yeah. You know, they want, they say, you know, not everybody who is a great live speaker is also a great virtual speaker. So we're doing things like we did a virtual summit. Yep. And we had about 50 Innovation Women speakers participate in that. And the goal was to give them experience doing a virtual event. Wow. And we also have a tool that we're using called Answer Stage. And Answer Stage sends our speakers a link. They respond back with answers to specific questions that are, they're answering them on an app. And it stitches it all together and puts a nice template on it and a frame around it. And so you can see what a speaker looks like virtually. That's
0: amazing. I love that everything that you are doing. I am. I, I'm just in such great admiration of. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really admire you, Bobby, and and this whole entire ecosystem and platform that you're creating because you are helping. Small businesses. You're helping people in general to just launch their businesses. You're helping people to get visibility, and you're specifically helping women by giving them all of these tools, resources, education, opportunity.
1: And I'm 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 a huge fan of yours. So well back at yeah. <laughs> you because you know this is that this podcast, yes. <laughs> you know the platform that you're offering. She leads. <laughs> So, do <laughs>
0: yeah, and i ju- I can't wait to just keep doing things together i'm I'm an innovation women ambassador in New York, and i I tell everybody all the time, sign up. it's you know it's it's super inexpensive and delivers incredible value. and i I really feel like I could literally go on and on with you uh, as I do as we do.. Um, <laughs> As yes. we do. Yes. Uh, but, I, chit-chat. Chit-chat. Uh, <laughs> but I think that this is a perfect place to end. So I know you've mentioned it a couple of times, but why don't you just let people know where they can sign up for the Innovation Women platform to become speakers and just even understand Mass Innovation Nights. And, and if they need your peer services, too. Well, hey, why not?
1: <laughs> yeah, I always tell people it's like, I'm super easy to find, you know, just Google me, Bobby Carlton, B-O-B-B-I-E, and, uh, and I appear yeah. like magic, <laughs> you know? but innovationwomen.com, carltonprmarketing.com, innovationnights.com, and now lionessmagazine.com. Love it. Woo-hoo. Love it. Love it. Oh, and my and my speakerleads.com oh, too. Oh, yes, my speaker. I, yes, that is
0: something that I definitely have to check out. And again, you know, like we spoke about the other day, you know, not a, a not a ton of investment, but
1: huge value. Yeah. And I think a lot of this is designed to help people help themselves. Yeah. Well, Bobby,
0: thank you so much. And just thank you for your friendship over all of these years and just your partnership and everything. I'm, you know, again, a huge fan of yours. I admire everything that you do. And I just love being in in network and in company with you. So thank you so much.
1: And thanks for having me today.
0: Okay. Take care. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. This is the She Leads Podcast Network.